The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Previously on All-American. Killer instinct. Either you have it or you don't. He kept saying, I raised Tiger to cut me loose. He, he knew of his own obsolescence. I've been very lucky to have met the, the right person for me. And you don't ever want to blow a, a, a special moment like that and, and have it come out totally wrong and just... Golf term, just yip it. This is Tiger at a PGA Tour press conference in December of 2004. We got this video from YouTube, so pardon the corny background music. I've made championship putts before. I've had to make those putts. I've never had to do that before. (laughs) Tiger is telling reporters here about how nervous he was just a month before when he proposed to his then-girlfriend, Elin Nordgren. Even if you say it absolutely perfectly, those four words, you can always still get denied. <laughs> you know, if you hit a great putt in a tournament and you know what's in, it's in. It's not going to lip out. You know, you're not going to get denied. Tiger did not get denied when he asked Elin to marry him. But it didn't go exactly as he had planned. The couple was staying at a private game reserve in South Africa when Tiger proposed. And much to Tiger's dismay, someone alerted the press to his and Elon's news. Tiger wasn't even able to tell his parents about the engagement before it was leaked. After the trip was over, Tiger wrote in a monthly email to fans that he was disgusted by this invasion of privacy, saying, quote, I had been planning to ask Elin to marry me for months and wanted to do it in a private, unique atmosphere. The only positive out of the whole trip is that Elin didn't say no. It's a big step for, for both of us, and uh, we just want to enjoy it for, for a while. And uh, you know, we'll set a date sometime in the future, but obviously we haven't really thought about that yet. And uh, as far as being registered, no, I'm not, because we haven't set a date. With no date in sight and no wedding registry, Just one thing was for sure. This would be a private event. This is All-American from Stitcher. Season 1, Tiger. Hey, Albert. Hey, Jordan. So at this point, Tiger's personal life is taking off. He's in his late 20s, he's newly engaged, and he's got a wedding to plan. Yeah, 
the good times, they're rolling for Tiger. <laughs> and that's where we'll start today, this period in Tiger's life where pretty much everything was coming up roses. Yeah, almost everything. Tiger was starting to build a family and was still in the peak of his golf career. But he would also confront a devastating loss in this time, a loss that would shake the foundation of his life just before he began to unravel. This is Episode 6, Family Matters. Reportedly, Tiger Woods has taken the plunge. Yes, it was reported that he was scuba diving, but he's also apparently gotten married. His fiance Ellen Nordgren, in Barbados Tuesday at the high-priced Sandy Lane Resort after Woods reportedly rented the whole place. Many big names were there, including NBA greats Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. I hear Oprah was there, too. Tiger and his bride, Elin Nordegren, got married in October of 2004. Oprah wasn't actually there. That turned out to be a rumor. But Tiger did do everything he could to keep any and all details of his big day on lockdown. Right. Ahead of the wedding, it was hard to tell if it was really happening. Tiger denied all questions about it. He was his, you know, usual forthcoming self with reporters, saying, quote, All I can say is that I'm getting married in the future. I've narrowed it down to that. I think you guys would be the last people I'd ever tell. <laughs> but journalists will be journalists, and they were determined to report on this thing. We dug up an old AP story that was published two days before Tiger's wedding, and it's basically investigative journalism. <laughs> it really is. First of all, the story was reported from Barbados, where Tiger's rumored wedding to be at <laughs> Sandy Lane Luxury Resort was, quote, the talk of the island. <laughs> the hotel manager there, he was cited in the story as saying he didn't know anything about the wedding. But then the article mentions two anonymous sources with, quote, direct knowledge of the event who said the wedding would happen on Tuesday. The wedding did indeed happen that Tuesday, and some fun wedding details emerged. Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan apparently arrived at the resort in a silver Mercedes-Benz, according to another AP story. <laughs> Our pals from previous episodes all coming out of the woodwork. MJ, Sir Charles, although I'm a little bummed that Oprah wasn't there. I know, me too. <laughs> anyway, some more wedding details. The whole thing reportedly cost $1.5 million. There were fireworks into the evening, 500 red roses during the ceremony, and the couple even had Hootie and the Blowfish as their wedding band. <laughs> okay. I mean, I could never have guessed what Tiger's musical taste was, but, you know, for a guy like Tiger who... Likes to play it straight and maybe not let things get too crazy. <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, they seem like a crowd pleaser. Anyway, Tiger and Elin reportedly spent their wedding night on Tiger's yacht, Privacy. Sounds about right. All right, I want to get into what we know about Tiger's new wife, Elin Nordegren. Once she married Tiger, she was cast as his pretty and pretty silent trophy wife. And before that, when she and Tiger were dating, she was known in the media as a Swedish nanny slash model. Right. And when we began working on this episode, I just thought, 
well, there's got to be more to Elin than that. <laughs> so I started digging. But when I turned to LexisNexis, a database that pulls up basically every news story that's ever been done, it returned basically nothing. Right. Our folder of research on Elin is kind of empty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More like it's a black hole. <laughs> but we were able to gather some information on Elin. For example, the modeling, that was hardly a focus of hers. She modeled briefly as a teenager, and all indications are that she had no interest in making a career out of it. Instead, she wanted to be a child psychiatrist, and she studied psychology in school. But then she moved to the U.S. to nanny for Swedish golf pro Jesper Parnovik's family. And it was through Parnovik that Elin met Tiger. And we'll get to that. But first, in terms of what else we were able to find about Elin, I thought it was interesting that she comes from a really intellectual and pretty impressive family. Yeah, her dad was a journalist who was a foreign correspondent for a Swedish broadcasting media, and her mom was a prominent social worker who became Sweden's migration and asylum minister. And Elin has an identical twin sister, who is a lawyer. Right. Elin did eventually end up getting her college degree, too. In fact, the only audio I was able to find of Elin speaking, it wasn't from an interview. It was from a commencement address. Uh, when I received a phone call informing me about the honor of speaking today, I felt really happy. But I also was a little surprised. Because I've been called a woman with no words in the media and criticized for not talking very much. This is Elin addressing her graduating class at Rollins College in 2014. At 34, she graduated with a psychology degree and a 3.96 GPA at the top of her class. That's pretty good. And if you listen to this whole speech, Elin is well-spoken and she's funny. She really is. In her address, Elin also mentions being, quote, unexpectedly thrust into the media limelight. And she makes mention of her track record of having done very little public speaking. In both this speech and from all we've been able to find about her, it seems pretty clear that Elin has never wanted to be in the spotlight. I mean, keep in mind, Elin wasn't even totally interested in Tiger from the beginning. Tiger and Elin met in 2001 at the British Open because Elin was there nannying for the Parnovic family. And apparently, Tiger was nervous enough about asking Elin out that he had a friend do it for him, which is very middle school. <laughs> and Elin initially said no. But Tiger persisted. And the rest is, well, history. By fall of 2004, they end up married. And in my mind, the fact that Elin clearly wasn't interested in being famous makes her kind of perfect for Tiger, someone who also cherishes his privacy. And while they were a famous, beautiful couple, it turns out that Tiger and his wife didn't initially offer up much to America's celebrity-crazed media. He was like wallpaper, and he was literally like wallpaper. He was about as exciting as wallpaper. This is Larry Hackett. He worked for 16 years as the editor-in-chief of People magazine, which at the time was the biggest money-making magazine in the country. He told us that Tiger Woods was, for a long time, a very dull subject for the magazine. Like wallpaper. <laughs> 
We called up Larry because we were really curious to hear more about how Tiger and Elon were playing in the press as a new couple. And we were genuinely surprised to learn that Tiger, even as a newlywed, he wasn't exactly People magazine famous. Larry told us there was actually a defined pecking order for who got covered by People magazine. It was created by the magazine's founding editor, Dick Stolle. Stolle's Rules, it was called. And it was basically his hierarchy of celebrity. And it was essentially movie stars were on top, followed by television stars, followed by music stars, followed by sports, and anything beats politics. So Tiger is just barely above politics. And when I pushed Larry about this, he acknowledged that Tiger was young, charismatic, accomplished, but said that still wasn't enough. He still plays golf, right? He still wears bad clothes from Thursday to Sunday, right? <laughs> He's, and that's not, you know, it, it, they're just not that interesting. He's weirdly ubiquitous mm -hmm. because he's on every ad and every shoebox and every commercial. So he has become a weird commodity that on some levels isn't that interesting precisely because he's everywhere, mm. right? He's everywhere and he's nowhere at the same time. It seems to me that part of the problem here is that Tiger is so reluctant to engage with the press. He'll appear in Nike ads, but he certainly won't give a tell-all interview. So that makes him an even more difficult subject for a publication like People. Yeah, totally. And the most important part of Larry's job, it was deciding who would be on the cover of People magazine. The cover sells the magazine. And that's where all the risk and reward lies. One of the difficulties that I often had as the editor is that someone would come to you and they'd say, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And I would say, hey, great. And they'd say they want the cover. Larry told us he was constantly having to tell people, sorry, you're not cover material. Of course. I never had that problem with Tiger. So it seems to me that Tiger's media-shy approach is really working for him here. He's in kind of a sweet spot. He's fulfilling his dreams as a professional golfer and his private life beyond huge milestones like his wedding. It's largely his own. And his golf game? That's heating up again, too. Look out! What a finish! Number four for Tiger. That's Jim Nance in 2005 as Tiger won his fourth Masters in a rare sudden death round. It was an important win for Tiger. Been a long time since he'd won a major, almost three years. And after that big win, Tiger picked up another major victory at the British Open that summer. Nice, Tiger. He's really cleaning up. That's 10 majors under his belt. Yeah, he's totally on fire. And the final day of that Masters in 2005, it's actually where one of his most iconic golf moments happens. In fact, this is the most rewatched golf shot of all time. This is the ball of Tiger Woods. Lanny, what about this? Burn, this is extremely difficult. This is one of the toughest pitches on the entire place here. He's got to put this well that you can see him looking up the slope. So Tiger's ball is sitting in the rough, which is the part of the course outside the fairway with the higher grass. And as the announcers are talking, you see Tiger super focused, sizing up his shot. You can see him putting it back in his stance right here and picking the club up like he's going to hit right down on it. 
and uh, he's picked out a landing spot that is a good 25 feet above the hole. There's a good chance he doesn't get this inside the Marcos ball. Because of the slope of the shot, Tiger, he has to hit it absolutely perfectly just to get it anywhere close. So he chips it, and the ball lands away from the hole, but then rolls and curves down the slope as if there's like a magnet pulling it. Oh my goodness! Then finally the ball, it settles at the edge of the hole, just long enough to let everyone get a good look at the Nike logo on the ball, And then it drops in. Oh, it's just like Michael Jordan's hole-in-one in Space Jam. <laughs> you know, I've actually never seen Space Jam. But yeah, it totally is a shot straight out of a cartoon. In your life have you seen anything like that? For Tiger, this was arguably the most memorable shot of his career. But then, after that high, comes an all-time low. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Well, Earl's physical decline had been going on a while, so it, w- it wasn't a shock. This is longtime golf reporter Jaime Diaz, who you'll remember from our second episode. In May of 2006, Earl Woods died of a heart attack. Tiger's father, who was also his best friend and greatest role model, who nurtured his son's brilliant talents practically since birth and hugged him after nearly every victory on the golf course, was suddenly gone. He was 74. I think it's fair to say without Earl, there's no Tiger. I don't mean just, you know, physiologically. I mean, just in terms of of what he provided psychologically. Uh, You know, there's plenty of people who could second guess Earl and say, you know, he, you know, projected his own dreams onto Tiger or whatever. But, I mean, Tiger was an incredible champion and um yeah he he was he was physically gifted but there was something there was an extra dimension to him that uh came from somewhere and i think it's not it's not unreasonable to to say that most of it came from earl 
Here's an old clip of Earl on the ABC variety show That's Incredible, reflecting on how Tiger's talent stood out from a very young age. Well, when he was about six months old, I had this putter cut down and I gave it to him as a toy. And he had dragged this thing around all over the house. And I worked out in the garage. How's that, Tiger? Boo-boo? Sure was, wasn't it? When he was 11 months old, I took a break, and he walked right over, picked up his little putter, set up just like I did, looked at the net as his target, took the club back, and hit the ball right in the center of the net. At 11 months old. Shortly after Earl's death, the family held a private service for Earl in Southern California, And Jaime Diaz was there. You know, the funeral was more, I think, uh, a celebration to some extent. Um, It it was well attended. A lot of people, there were some players there, Mark O'Meara and I believe John Cook, Charles Barkley was there. Earl was not uh, a somber, a somber person. He, he, there was a lot of... um, sort of kind of jocular Earl stories. Some of Earl's uh, military uh, buddies, they spoke. And Jaime spoke too. He told a story about a memorable day when Earl and Tiger had invited him to play a round of golf. We played at uh, Big Canyon. But I I was doing a story that morning and I had some computer problems, and you may remember Albert. I was I always fought deadline. I was I was late with the story, and so I called ahead to Big Canyon and said, "Look, I'm not going to be able to make it early enough to to be on the first tee with those guys. But would you tell them if it's okay with them, I'll catch them on the back nine." Jaime rushed to finish his story, and about an hour and a half later, finally arrived at the course. I got there, and they actually had waited for me, which I thought was really, uh, uh, you know, very gracious. They started playing the round, and on Jaime's second shot, Tiger was standing just to his right. Kind of close. Usually, you know, when, when good players play with each other, they don't, and I'm, I'm not including myself in this, I'm talking about pros, they often stand pretty close because they're going to, they're hitting it straight. But I hit a clean shank, and this ball went, I mean, right past Tiger's ear, it, it, within about six inches, going fast, too. Uh, so, I mean, it would have hurt him. It would have knocked out some teeth. It would have done some damage. And, oh, my God, I was just, you know, I was just uh, uh, so embarrassed and, 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 and uh, you know, just humiliated. But, um, but okay, uh, there was no, nobody talked for about, you know, six seconds. And finally, Earl says, you know, that's the last time we'll ever wait for your ass again. And it just broke the side. You know, it wasn't the greatest line, but it was, you know, be, because of what was at stake. I mean, you know, we're, Tiger, you know, to have hurt Tiger Woods, you know, <laughs> in that moment, he was the most valuable property in sports. And, and, and so anyway, it was just a funny moment, but it, it, it loosened things up and at the, at the funeral. Jaime says there were about 200 people at Earl's funeral. Earl's children from his previous marriage attended. And of course, Tiger. You know, Tiger received everyone and uh, hugged everyone. And, you know, there was some closure there, I think, but um, he still had to uh, adjust. But I think he was ready. I, I don't I don't think his dad's, you know, he, people say he went off the rails after his dad died. Maybe. 
I think by that time, even when Earl was alive the last couple of years of his life, Tiger had become a pretty independent person. Earl was a great father in, in most respects, and, and Tiger loved him, and, and I'm sure he misses him. He talks about him a lot. As, as time's gone on, actually, I notice he talks about him more. So, uh, but I think by the time that Earl passed, I think Tiger was ready to be going, going it alone, so to speak. A month after Earl's death, Nike made a commercial for Father's Day honoring Earl. And Richard Sandemir, who writes for the New York Times, described the commercial perfectly. He wrote, the images show Wood's father, Earl, cutting his son's hair, Wood's handing his father a trophy, and Wood's playing baseball and football. Most of all, it shows the affection that was seen publicly in Wood's emotional embraces of his father, most notably after his first Masters victory. Underneath the 30 seconds of imagery plays the wistful 1968 song, This Will Be Our Year, by the English rock band, The Zombies. That commercial aired during the U.S. Open, which was the first tournament Tiger would attend after Earl died, and where, of course, he was asked about losing his father. But uh, Dad was always there. It's been been very hard on our family, but um, you know, I think that uh, the the funeral and everything that. Um, uh, transpired as I think was what dad would have wanted and uh, I'm here to compete and play and try and win this championship and you know I, I know that dad would uh, would want me to go out there and grind it give it my best and uh, that's what I always do so uh, that's what I will certainly try to do this week. Tiger did not win that tournament in fact his start was his worst ever at a major. But just a month later, Tiger headed to the UK to compete in the third major of the year, the British Open. He'll finish at 18, and this one for Pops. Major number 11, Tiger Woods is back in the winner's circle at the majors. He's won his third British Open. As the crowd cheered, Tiger hugged his caddy, Steve Williams, and sobbed. There's the emotion we talked about, guys. We knew it was dropping under. He won't let go of Steve for a while. Just a couple months after Earl's death, Tiger won his 11th major championship. Yeah, and then he won major number 12 at the PGA Championship in August. So that's two more majors right on the heels of Earl's death. I mean, Tiger must have seemed completely unstoppable at this point. Not only that, but Tiger was even becoming a little relatable. He was a <laughs> newlywed, and he'd lost his dad. You just felt for Tiger. And America was really rooting for him at this point. And then Tiger became a dad himself. In June of 2007, during the U.S. Open, Elin was about to give birth, like in the hospital about to give birth. <laughs> yeah, but the U.S. Open, it was a major tournament. So with Elin's support, Tiger decided he wasn't going to miss it. He competed, finished second, then immediately boarded his plane to Orlando and was able to catch the birth of his daughter, Sam. Sam. 
Fast forward to 2009, and Elin is pregnant with their second child. And Tiger's had a couple of injuries. He even had surgery. But he's still competing. And in some cases, he's going against medical advice. Because by this point, now with 14 total major wins under his belt, Tiger was closing in on Jack Nicklaus's record. Tiger was just four titles away. And the world was watching. I was not covering golf full-time in 2009 when I was called to cover a couple of men's events um, as a substitute for our regular golf writer. This is Karen Krause. She's a sports reporter for The New York Times. But in 2009, when she started covering men's golf, she noticed that during press conferences, Tiger was really robotic. He was very rote. His responses were rote. It was as if he was on autopilot. And then if he was asked about his children who, you know, they were, gosh, both under the age of four, then his eyes would light up. He became very animated and just seemed like he genuinely loved talking about his kids and being around his kids. I had no reason to believe that was an act. It seemed so sincere and genuine. This sounds like a new angle on Tiger. Exactly. I told this to the golf editor and he said, hey, why don't you write that? You know, write about Tiger Woods, the dad. So ahead of the U.S. Open, which of course um, plays its final round on Father's Day, I did do this story as of Tiger Woods, the dad. And how um, affectionate he seemed with his kids and how interested in them and invested in them and just reported it as best I could. Karen's story on Tiger Woods, the father, came out in June of 2009, the weekend before the U.S. Open. Karen wrote about how Tiger was raising the bar for dads. Despite the intense schedule, he was still changing diapers. Quote, that would be Eldrick the diaper-changing, peekaboo-playing homebody who occasionally hijacks Tiger's pre-tournament and post-round news conferences to reveal, with the smile that starts in his eyes, the human side of golf's armored tank. Karen also wrote about how Tiger had to take some time off from competitive golf because of an injury. Tiger the dad described this as an unexpected blessing because he got to spend more time with his daughter, Sam. Tiger said, quote, the best thing in the world was actually to watch her grow and, you know, each and every day have fun with that and teach her different things. I really enjoy that type of life. And after it ran, I heard from someone in his inner circle. They said, you know, um, Elin just wanted me to pass on that she loved the tiger story. And I say that because, of course, this was June of 2009 and a few months later, we saw Tiger in a completely different light. Next time on All American, Tiger's days as the perfect family man come to a crashing halt. 
911 emergency. I have someone down in front of my house. They hit a pole. The Tiger Woods story has taken on more twists and turns than a par five. For some sum, like they were looking for uh, roughly $25,000, they were going to give up an acquaintance slash friend or former friend of theirs who they alleged was having an affair with Tiger Woods. All American is a production from Stitcher. This episode was written, reported, and produced by me, Jordan Bell, for the reporting and production by Albert Chen. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Abigail Keel is our senior producer. Our executive producers are Daisy Rosario and Chris Bannon. Casey Holford is our mix engineer, who also wrote our fantastic theme music. Special thanks to Nick Dooley for his Pro Tools skills and to our iconic fact checker, Kelvin Bias. If you like All American, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And we want to hear from you. Send us your feedback and your ideas for who we should cover next season to allamerican at stitcher.com. Thanks. Oh, yeah. What yeah. is this song called? Only Want to Be With You. Right. I mean, this was huge. So this yeah. was a great, yeah. expensive I get. But... Only Want to Be With You. Yeah. Stitcher. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.